there are other aspects of product management which is around you know designing the product themselves uh prioritization of product features working with uh developers uh you know sort of understanding the technology and the technology stacks behind the product that you're building all of that is is something that you don't need an mba for now if someone has sufficient experience working in businesses also uh someone has sufficient understanding of technology and sufficient understanding of design you know sort of user psychology i would add that to the mix of things as well then an mba is not necessary uh however having an mba just makes it easier to transition into a product management Welcome to the pilot episode of the Product Management Chat Podcast. The podcast where I, or we, will get to learn product management fundamentals from product people. Our first ever guest is Talakpat Naik, Product Head at Times Internet. We talk about first when an MBA is essential for a PM role, and it's interesting because when I first came to know product managers, I noticed that most of them are either ex-engineers, ex-designers, or MBA graduates. So the luck is going to share how an MBA makes a transition easier, and what aspects of the PM role where you need or don't need an MBA for. Second, we talk about B2B and B2C product management. The lock shared in great detail how they differ in terms of one, the design aspect, two, the stakeholders that are involved, and three, the nature of monetization. And lastly, we talk about product marketing and product manager and the way that they're set up in B2B versus B2C. Without further ado, let's jump right in. I saw that uh, you've got this bachelor's degree in engineering uh, in Indian yeah. Institute of Technology. And also you've got like, it seems like you have got two masters, one in yes. engineering and another in business in the University yes. of Michigan. And so yeah. could you share us firstly about your background? Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, yes, I've done my uh, bachelor's and master's in technology. uh from indian institute of technology iit bombay uh the engineering was more around material sciences uh so yes it wasn't exactly you know sort of software engineering and you could see that in my work experience post iit as well i was in 3m uh although i was on the product side of things but the organization itself was manufacturing is manufacturing so to say uh 3m is a manufacturing organization and uh although the basics of you know sort of product development and product management are very similar both in a software and a hardware setup but the way things are done you know sort of is very different but the basics are same so i learned a lot of basics of product management and product development uh, at 3m uh post which i shifted to a sustainability saas startup mm-hmm. uh it's called gudera uh so that was my shift from the hardware and manufacturing side of things to the software side of things uh where i was uh, essentially uh you know sort of more on a sales and a business development side of things mm-hmm. uh, so i was you know i set up the delhi office uh as part of gudera i did uh, the user acquisition there 
you know, sort of implementing the SaaS platform uh, as, as, as part of their workflows. So that gave me a very good view of what B2B products, software products look like. And it's post that that I joined Ross and uh, where I did my MBA. And it was post Ross that I, you know, sort of properly transitioned to product management where I've done both B2B as well as B2C product management. Nice, I see. And yeah, most of the product managers that I um, know on LinkedIn, that I see on LinkedIn, yeah. most of them really have this uh, master's background. And yeah. one of the favorite books of product managers is inspired by Marty, like the yes. first product yes. manager that I that I um have spoken to. Um, he recommended that to me. And there's like one chapter in there that says, yes, MBA is very use useful, but it's not required. Like um simply you just need to have like a broad understanding of how a product can affect the business and work with people from your team and your company. But I'm really sure that um you really gained a lot uh, of knowledge with your MBA. So could you share with me to like, what are the benefits of uh, the MBA that you have earned in uh, engineering and in business? Yeah, sure. So as you rightly mentioned, an MBA is not uh, absolutely necessary in order to transition into a product management role. Uh, however, where an MBA helps is A, giving uh, you know, a perspective on how businesses function mm -hmm. in general. Uh, B, how uh, the organizational makeup typically is of a business and how do you navigate that organizational, you know, sort of makeup in order to push your ideas, in order to push your products through so that they can go on to uh, the market. So that business perspective and organizational perspective is, is very important uh, to succeed uh, as a product manager. And of course, the third thing that I mentioned was, you know, go to market. How do you exactly go to market? Uh, how do you do, uh, how do you position a product? Uh, how do you market a product? Uh, what are some of the sales tactics around products? Uh, so on and so forth. So I would say that aspect is very important. Of course, there are other aspects of product management, which is around, you know, designing the product themselves, mm -hmm. uh, prioritization of product features, working with uh, developers, uh, you know, sort of understanding the technology and the technology stacks behind the products that you're building. All of that is, is something that you don't need an MBF for. Now, if someone has sufficient experience working in businesses, also, uh, someone has sufficient understanding of technology and sufficient understanding of design, you know, sort of user psychology, I would add that to the mix of things as well. Then an MBA is not necessary. Uh, however, having an MBA just makes it easier to transition into a product management. Nice. I see. So yeah, I could imagine it helped mostly on your B2B experience um, side um, of things. And so um, there's like a lot of discussion, B2B versus B2C product management. So on my side, yeah. um, since I'm from sales, like um, mm. 
one of the things that I typically um, hear is that, oh, in B2C, you market the users. In B2B, there's the mm-hmm. users and the decision maker. But, you know, yeah. um, decision makers at the end of the day, they're users. And then yeah. um, in B2B as well, sometimes there are B2B companies that are not um, taking design that seriously. And so... Mm-hmm. How has your experience been B2B versus B2C? Like from manufacturing to both B2B and B2C, like how that all differs? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, the fundamentals are, I would say, very similar across the board. I mean, at the end of the day, you need to figure out, you know, what your target group is, what pain points are you solving, uh, what should your MVP be, how do you achieve that product market fit, how do you scale up and how do you you know sort of continuously work in providing that value to the users as the product becomes bigger and more matured so all these things need to be done meet on a manufacturing side of things or a b2b side of things or a b2c side however the tactics are very different and you know you mentioned a couple of things there uh, which largely yes uh, sort of i find uh, to be true one of the things that you mentioned was around design. Uh, in fact, before that, you mentioned around, you know, sort of buyer versus user thing, right? And yes, that is that is absolutely true. So from my B2B experience, I can say that the person who decides, you know, who sanctions buying a particular product versus the team which actually procures the product versus the team which is actually using the product. These are, you know, sort of three separate teams usually three separate uh, sort of entities. And many a times uh, the incentives for them to do it might be, you know, sort of very, very different. For example, if it's an IT system, uh, maybe a chief information officer, you know, sort of decides that we need this sort of system because it helps us solving a particular pain point. Uh, When it comes to, you know, sort of onboarding that product, it's a vendor team or it's a procurement team hmm. which would sort of you know procure the product from you for them what's more important is ensuring that the costs are low uh, and their the, the uh, legal terms and agreements of procurement are in place that's the most important thing how well it is solving the pain point uh, is not something you know sort of they look at for example whereas the people who are using it within the organization, the users, for them, how easily are they able to use the product to solve the to to solve the pain point? That becomes more important. So their design and UI UX becomes very important. The person who decided, the CIO, for him, the UI UX is not that important. For him, the features are important. These features should be there so that we can actually solve it. For procurement, cost and legal aspects, procurement aspects are more important. So here you can see the reasons why there are, you know, sort of the buyer versus the decision maker versus the user. They are focusing on different things. Hence, yes, uh, as a product uh, person, it's important to align the incentives of all these three stakeholders important um, uh, well so that uh, the, the product can be sold. Uh, but yeah, uh, Selling is a different thing and using is a different thing. 
uh, in a B2B context. Whereas in a B2C context, usually the buyer and the user are the same. So it's very important to convince them that, you know what, we have got a great product, which is going to solve your problem. It's very easy to use as well. And hence it is worth your time in investing in the product. Hence B2C product, the way they are built or the way they are scaled up uh, can be very, very different as compared to let's say a B2B product because of the stakeholders involved. So that was your first point. The second point, which I have sort of covered within this response itself is the design aspect of it. Design becomes very, very important because it's not the user in B2B who's deciding to use the product. They are being asked to use the product. Yes, in the future, from a retention perspective, if there is a product which is much easier to use, also at the same pricing, then yes, the organization might take the decision to shift to a different product, which is much easier to use. But they would rather go for a feature-rich product which is cheaper in cost, because cost-benefit analysis is more important to them. In case of B2C, that is not the case. In case of B2C, uh, there's no real, you know, sort of cost-benefit analysis. There are no Excel sheets being made to convince anyone. It's a, it's a very psychological thing. If the user finds it very easy to use and it is within their budget, they are going to use it. Hence, user experience and those intangible things around design, they play a much, much greater role, uh, you know, as, as compared to uh, a B2B thing. Another important thing here that I've mentioned here as part of my answer is the cost aspect. T typically, uh, if you're a B2B product, uh, the ticket sizes are higher. The average revenue per user is higher and the number of customers, you know, they're less. Whereas in a B2C thing, uh, the ARPU or average revenue per user is much lower. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the number of uh, customers are much higher. Hence, cost benefit analysis becomes far more important in case of a B2B because a business is paying far more money for a particular product as compared to a B2C product where the user is not paying as much of, you know, sort of a, a price uh, for using that product. Uh, hence, again, in this aspect, the kind of monetization that happens in a B2B versus a B2C, the nature of monetization uh, itself is uh, very, very different. Hmm. I see. So I imagine there's like a lot of stakeholders that you have been yeah. Um, yeah. involving, whether B2B or B2C. And so yes. what about, curious, what about uh, marketing? Since you mentioned um, AOV average, is it average order value or? ARPU, uh, average revenue per user. Oh, average revenue per user. And then in B2B, I believe they have like um, ARR, annual Yes. Annual recurring yes. revenue. Recurring. Yes. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And so, mm. uh, yeah, uh, how do you work with marketing in terms of, uh, do you work closely with marketing in terms of um, how uh, the products are priced? Uh, how is it working with them? Yeah, so in a B2B setup, uh, usually there is a bit of a distinction between marketing, product marketing and product manager. Product manager is, you know, someone who is, in my experience at least, 
you know, sort of more focused on execution of products. And they take the help of product marketers uh, to get those product insights, uh, get those user insights, you know, because it's the marketing folks usually who are typically closer to the users. Uh, in many cases, they are the voice of customers, uh, so to say, uh, the product marketers in a B2B setup. And hence, product managers go work closely with product marketers. And through product marketers, they would go and, you know, sort of talk to uh, customers and clients and try to understand their perspective. Hence, what kind of features we should build, how we should go around selling these products to businesses, and also what those price points should be. Hmm. Uh, because even product product marketers are also, you know, sort of they would understand the competitive landscape. Hmm. Pricing also has a lot to do with how competitors are pricing their products. It's not just the willingness to pay of the user, but it's also, you know, sort of competitive landscape as well. So what our competitors are doing? So uh, typically I would say product marketing person is, you know, sort of, closer to the user as compared to, let's say, a product manager. And hence, there is a much tighter collaboration when it comes to understanding the user in a B2B setup. Whereas in a B2C setup, typically, it's the product manager also who knows the customers the most. Mm. Because in B2C, uh, there are no set customers. You know, like, let's say you have like a million users. You can't go and talk to a million users, right? Yeah. So how do you understand users? Uh, a part of it, yes, is talking to a sample of users, but a large part is also observing how users are using the product. What does the aggregated data look like? Mm -hmm. How many users are using a particular feature? If it's, let's say, an e-commerce, uh, what does that you know sort of funnel look like? If it's a subscription product, what does the conversion funnel look like? What does the engagement, uh, you know, sort of what do the engagement metrics look like? What does the retention metric look like? This gives far more information about user and user behavior. And this is something which is completely owned by the product manager. Hence, it's the product manager who is the de facto expert and de facto voice of customer uh, for the users in a B2C setup as compared to let's say a B2B setup. In a B2C setup, typically, uh, like in my current organization, there is just one product marketing person and that product marketing person is more focused on execution rather than understanding the insights, the user insights and how we should go about it is still provided by the product manager in a B2C setup. Whereas in a B2B setup, a product manager is I think much, you know, sort of much more closer to the customer or the businesses. So Nice. Thank you. I've been learning a lot uh, from you uh, just right now. And so mm -hmm. um, since we've talked about marketing, I also saw on your um, LinkedIn uh, that you do both uh, the acquisition and the growth for um, your current company. And so mm -hmm. like in a nutshell, my just my understanding of acquisition is mm -hmm. for new customers, growth, mm -hmm. sell, cross-sell to existing customers. So uh, what are some key points, if any, that you would like to expand on how you do acquisition and growth for Times Internet and how those strategies just differ? Yeah, sure. So... Uh... I think it does not reflect on my LinkedIn now, but my role has changed. Uh, in my earlier role, I was focusing on 
a sub charter of a big charter. So the big charter was a subscription and I was focused more on new user acquisition and growth. Mm -hmm. uh, now I own my own charter. So I have been given a complete charter of my own uh, where I have to come up with a completely new subscription vertical, which is, so it's not just about, you know, sort of acquisition, but it's also about engagement. It's also about retention in my current charter. Okay. So talking about the previous charter that you were mentioning, which is around acquisition, my focus was on getting new users. So we already had an established product. How do we get more new users into the ecosystem? So how do we, uh, you know, pitch to users who have never tried our product? How do we, what sort of features we should build so that we can get more number of users into our subscription ecosystem? Uh, how do we build that top of the funnel, you know? And then once the user is at top of the funnel, how do we build that conversion funnel? Uh, where, so that we convince the user to buy the product. So conversion funnel would be typically around, you know, a person, a user would become aware of the product, which is top of the funnel. And then they would explore the product, which is middle of the funnel. And then they would go onto the payment page, the plan page, the payment page, and they would do, you know, sort of payment success, which is bottom of the funnel. So my ownership was owning the entire funnel for these new users so that more and more users convert. So my KPI was very, very simple. Number of new users acquired on a daily basis, which is uh, a sub charter of the broader charter, which is around not just acquisition, but also engagement and retention. But my current role right now is both engagement and retention as well. I have to start a product ground up and then I have to ensure that the user is engaged and user retains for the next, uh, you know, subscription cycle as well. Hmm, nice. Thank you. And so earlier, um, when you mentioned that your KPI is new users, like um, if from a marketing hmm. or sales perspective, hmm. the way we will acquire new users is, you know, run more ads sell hmm. a cold yes. call but uh, on your case yes. you're a, a product manager like how hmm. do you acquire new users so um, we already have a product which is times of india digital product which is already being used by a lot of users so there is already a captive audience that comes onto Times of India on a daily basis. My job was to basically convert, and, and most of these users are free users, mm. right? Now my job was to basically convert them into paying users. Mm. So it was that funnel. So my job was to market it on Times of India. Uh, so one of the ways to build that top of the funnel is to market the subscription product on various pages on Times of India. So there's a home page. Then there are certain, you know, pages on which we write articles, uh, market them there. Uh, the idea was to figure out which pages users visit Times of India the most, and then market it through various banners, through various ads uh, on uh, Times of India. 
So if you go on to Times of India website, you'll, you'll be able to see TY plus, or you'll be able to see articles which have a plus sign next to them. So that is, you know, sort of our way of building that top of the funnel, which is around building awareness to users that yes, this TY plus exists. Now, once user clicks on that, they will be directed to a story which has a paywall on it. Oh, okay. So on that paywall, we had to show them, okay, if you buy the subscription, what are you going to get? So this is like a middle of the funnel pitch to the users that yes, now that you are here, if you have to read the story, you have to buy this entire subscription. And then if you click on, you know, the story, you would go onto a plan page where we show them multiple plans. You can buy a one-year plan. You can buy, uh, you know, sort of another one-year plan. You can buy a two-year plan as well. There are, you know, sort of multiple plans onto the plan page, which is more of bottom of the funnel. So it is a process of convincing the user where A, you make user aware through top of the funnel. B, in the middle of the funnel, you give the user a way to explore the product better and tell them what the product is about. And then C, bottom of the funnel, which is plan page, where you basically tell user about the pricing, about all the benefits that the user has to get, and then a very clear and loud CTA on you know how they can go ahead in paying for the product. Mm -hmm. I see. And then how well um, do you work closely with marketing in regards to this one? So marketing here is much more tactical. Uh, I tell marketing, you know, these are the kind of creatives that we need, or these are the kind of images that we need. And they would basically design those creatives and those images for us and give it to us. Uh, it's it's sort of very tactical. Uh, all the strategic thinking is basically done by the product manager. Here. Mm, I see. Again, it's a B2C setup. In a B2B setup, it might be different. In a B2C setup, it's different. Mm, I see. So I've heard uh, the first like the first time that I have been learning product management, that product sets at, at the intersection of engineering, design, and marketing. Mm. And you mentioned mm. that it might, I don't know, it might be different for uh, B2C. But mm. uh, yeah, uh, how is it sitting uh, in the intersection of engineering, design, and marketing? Uh, is it all different B2B for versus B2C? Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in a B2B setup, uh, we work much more closely with design and the engineering teams and the marketing teams. Uh, whereas in a B2C setup, I'm also working with finance. I'm also working with legal, uh, and uh, you know, I'm also uh, working uh, very closely with uh, the business operations uh, folks. So I would say in a B2C setup, the uh, level of ownership when it comes to vision and strategy mm -hmm. of a particular product is much, much higher as, as compared to uh, in a B2B setup, uh, because in B2B setup, things have to be much more structured. Right. If you're going and selling something to a business, things need to be much more clear. Things need to be much more planned. Uh, it's more of, you know, you can say a waterfall ideology there is, is what, what I've seen. In a B2C setup, especially when, you, when you're trying to set up something, especially when you're trying to do a zero to one thing, 
the level of ownership that a product manager has to take is very, very high. Like there has to be uh, an understanding uh, of all the aspects that are involved in uh, not just building the product, but in actually conceptualizing the product and strategizing the product and building vision for the product, partnerships that are required for the product, you know, vendor relationships and all of that. So all of that is is sort of uh, much more important in a B, B2C setup uh, as, as compared to a B2B setup. Now, having said that, even in a B2B setup, a product manager at least needs to understand what the customer is doing while they might not have to go actively and influence them, but at least they need to understand what the customer wants. And hence, having, uh, I would say it's more of a secondary role in a B2B setup, where they're acting secondary to a product marketing guy or a customer success guy in trying to understanding in, in trying to understand a user. In a B2C setup, it's more of a primary role. It's the product manager's job to actually go and directly understand the user directly go and understand the partner rather than you know sort of understanding it from somebody else and that's a wrap on our pilot episode thank you for tuning in with me as i learned about the fundamentals of product management if you like the episode kindly follow us on apple Podcasts, spotify or in any other podcast platforms your support will mean the world to me we're also on LinkedIn. It's called Product Management Chat. Kindly reach out if you have any questions or feedback. Tomorrow, I'll drop another episode with Gokul Kumar, Product Manager at Madhi Foundation. It was an amazing conversation about how product management works for nonprofit orgs. And most probably, I think you would like the conversation too. Until next time, thanks again for listening. Chat soon.